Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. We're going to take a deep dive into the lore of the Star Wars universe. Well, hello and welcome to the Holocron Histories podcast, where we talk about all things Star Wars, Legends versus Canon, and we are back after our patron episode. Uh, hello to all of you who are watching us live and in chat. If you're here, go ahead and give a shout out. Uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, I am Teacup or Austin. I am one of your co-hosts for this podcast. And I am your other host, Ben of Tamaria. Yeah. So we're what are we talking about today? Today we're, we're so we're continuing more with these the crime syndicates, and this episode is going to be kind of different. Um, both of these syndicates are not in Legends because they were specifically made for the canon. One being the Crimson Dawn, which we do see in Rogue One, um, and we see a lot of it in the comics mostly. And the other one is the Crimora syndicate which is another crime syndicate that was mainly in the comics, but they are mentioned through, like, the Clone Wars, and, like, I think they're in Rebels. They might be mentioned in Rebels, if I recall. Can't remember the top of my head for the Crimora syndicate. There, there's very little info on the Crimora. So I'm going to go over that one first, because there's, like, no info. <laughs> so, yeah, the Crimora syndicate... At some point, Jabba the Hutt became the affiliated with the Crimora Syndicate, and as a result of his collaboration with the Crimora, he gained a position. Gained a position on the Grand Hutt Council. So, this Syndicate helped Jabba become a better position later for his life, I guess. And then, five years after the end of the Clone Wars, the Syndicate provided the Galactic Empire with intelligence during their attempts to capture uh, Breck Teller and his rubber se- rebel cell. It, the, a lot of this is, like, not a whole lot. And then, in the aftermath of the Battle of Yavin, the destruction of the Empire superweapon, the Death Star... Uh, the Emperor sent his apprentice Darth Vader to secure a deal with the Huts to gain a new raw materials for Imperial military production. After the destruction of the weapons factory Alpha on Crymoon 1 and the failure of negotiation with the Huts, the Emperor ruled out the opening negotiations with the Crymora to secure resources and instead ordered Vader to go to Tatooine to, nego- 
to negotiate directly with Jabba the Hutt. Now knowing that, and we all know who Vader is, I want to know that conversation between Vader and Jabba. Because he's not a fan of Jabba. No, um, but I mean, he does kind of like put aside whatever personal feelings he has. Like in Clone Wars, in the Clone Wars movie, true. he saves Jabba's son. Um, That's true. So I guess you, whatever. You, and like Vader's going to do what the Emperor says true that's that's true which if you haven't watched the last episode of obi-wan vader does what the emperor tells him to do yeah um i'm uh, wondering it sounds like a little bit that this kind of uh the crimora are kind of taking a little bit of what the black sun's story originally was yeah and if you heard that, that's uh, Austin's uh, R2 unit now. <laughs> yeah, it. I forgot it makes sounds when it goes to sleep mode. It's great, though. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, because like the Black Suns are kind of doing this whole, yeah, we'll work with the Emperor, and then Zizor is just kind of like, I'm going to do whatever I want now. And that's the whole yeah. like plot of Shadow of the Empire. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that they're just kind of creating their own thing now. Yeah, so then after destroying a base of pirates who had been raiding the Empire's supply lines, Vader discovered that the pirates were being backed by the Cormora and their allies, the droid Gutra, a band of Separatist-era battle droids who were deactivated and who were acting against the Empire. Several of these droids were upgraded due to the efforts of droid archaeologist Alfra, uh, such as two droidicas were equipped with missile launchers. And if you don't know what a droidica is, watch Clone Wars. And them alone, just with their repeating blasters, is tough enough. Now you have droidicas with not only shields, but rocket launchers. Which is not fun. Kind of like what we see in... Uh the finale of Boba Fett. Yeah, the big, the big gigantic, droidica-looking yeah. droids. They also look like the old Republic droids that they do. Uh, I would people a lot of trouble. I wouldn't be surprised they took literally. Oh, that looks cool from those games. Hey, let's use that. I mean, they have all Lucasfilm archives. I'm sure that's probably what they did. I mean, just put. Revan's design next to Kylo Ren and you can see that. Like Yeah. Oh my god, now that you say that. Oh, why? Why did they do that to my boy Revan? <laughs> no. So then in uh Zero ABY it was reported the uh Kynabar's infonet that the Crimora and the Sun Tool Pride had became the largest casualties in the Grand General's Casio Tag's undeclared war on the under, uh, under ugh, on the War of the Underworld, through by uh, the by four ABY had become active in the galaxy again. And that is all we have for the Crimora. 
There, like, there's so, very little info. Do you know where this comes from? I'm like, pretty sure it's the comics. Um, yeah. There was, I know, a comic line that deals specifically with like bounty hunter. Or, like, there's the Star Wars bounty hunter comic line, which I think this where takes place in. Um, now, <laughs> the next with the Crimson Dawn. The Crimson Dawn had their own comics. And that's where a right. lot of the info is going to come from that. It's going to be from the Crimson Dog comics. Well, I wonder if there is a... Uh, I wonder if there are characters in the Darth Vader comics that Disney did, like, right after the sequels ended or near around there. Uh, mm-hmm. 2020, Darth Vader 2020 is a series that came out of there. But I know there's an old... There's a newer, but it's older than 2020 comic or something where there's a scene of Darth Vader surrounded by either rebels or pirates and they like come up and they say you're surrounded and then Darth Vader says I'm surrounded by fear and dead men I I know what you're talking about I can't remember what comic run that was right but I wonder if that's where this because the name sounds familiar and they definitely do feel like more of a comic like organization and a lot of the crime syndicates are mainly like in the comics um i mean besides like you know the huts and like the black suns crimson um, dawn have their crimson dawn movie yeah yeah a little bit well no it was kind of a major thing in the in the film but yeah that was it though <laughs> yeah but um so yeah, now we're going to start with the Crimson Dawn. <clears throat> uh, so before recognizing into a larger criminal enterprise, the forerunners of the Crimson Dawn were a band of ruthless, ruthless mer- mercenaries who traveled from planet to planet, seizing the resources they uh, coveted and needed while brutalizing the natives into complying. One such world was the planet, uh, desert planet Savarin which possessed a resource that they really desired. Um, and then several after several raids on their world, the Savarans rose up against them, refusing to comply uh, anymore. As punishment for the defiance, the mercenaries cut out the tongues of every single man, woman, and child they could find. The story was told by uh, Nief's Nest to Tobias Beckett and Han Solo before they went to Dryden Voss, which this is... During the events of Solo, if anybody watched Solo. Yeah. Empus um, Nest is the later revealed, you know, it's like a, almost a decade since, no, it's like six or seven years, six or five years since Solo. So, I spoiler warning for Solo, but it's a bounty hunter who's later revealed to be a woman of red hair. And that scene on the beach where she's talking about the Crimson Dawn. Yeah. And she says that to Beckett and Solo right before they try to get the play on Dryden Boss. Yep. Yeah. It, as for the movie, it is. I mean, it's a fun watch movie. Yeah, it's not anything, to, for my opinion, it's not anything to write home about it, but I enjoyed it when I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then eventually the Crimson Dawn would dominate the criminal underworld and became the most powerful in what known as the five crime syndicates. The others being the Crimora Syndicate, the Black Suns, the Pike Syndicate, and the Hutt Clan. 
Crimson Dawn was also enjoyed a uh, also enjoyed a fragile alliance with the Pike Syndicate. And then in 19 BBY, the Crimson Dawn became a member of the Shadow Collective, a vast criminal organization under the control of Rogue Sith Lord Maul. After they joined the Collective, Crimson Dawn be, uh, participated in the taking of Mandalore. So this is uh, also where, he, like as I mentioned, Maul is part of the. Uh, he created the Shadow Collective, which eventually absorbed the Crimson Dawn or took part of it. And we see him show up in Solo. And that's why he's in Solo. That's it. It's the only reason it was a cameo. Also, in Season 7 of Clone Wars, you can see Maul talking to the Shadow Collective and Dryden Voss is present in yes. that yes. scene. I completely forgot about that. Um, that they, they tied him in. And obviously, I mean, obviously, season seven came after Solo did, so it was easy for them to hey, slap a guy in here. And then, uh, at the time of the siege of Mandalore, Cr- the Crimson Dawn was led directly by a near-human man, Dryden Vos. Just prior to the enactment of Order sixty-six, Maul ordered Vos, as well as other leaders in the Shadow Collective, to go into hiding in anticipation for the chaos following the rise of the Empire. And if you watch season seven, Maul knows exactly what's going to be going on. He knows exactly what's happening. Tries to warn everybody. But everybody doesn't trust him because he's Maul. And yeah. And you can see Maul was completely right in the entire time. I think it's so interesting that Maul was so privy to Palpatine's plans because I feel like Palpatine is a play his cards very close to the chest like yes like i guarantee maul he maul probably would have picked like he picked everything up himself palpatine never shared this crap to him right so you think he like eavesdropped on conversations or pause i mean picked up from like sources like trying all out through that you know throughout the galaxy with the shadow collective but um I mean, he never told Dooku his plans. Obviously, because, you know, Dooku got killed because of his, for his plans, so. But, like, Maul knew that Anakin was key to Palpatine's plans. That is true. Oh, that is a good, hmm. Yeah, that, that's, hmm. I'm curious how you found that out. Right, I. Maybe that's why Dooku doesn't know because Palpatine thought I played, I trusted this person too much. And look what it got me. Well, he also thought Maul was dead for the longest of times. Right. Until he popped back up and then, you know, Palpatine schooled Maul and Savage. Mm hmm. But, uh, yeah, then uh, Maul eventually took a more direct role in the Crimson Dawn activities. Much like the previous rule over Mandalore, Maul elected to rule from the shadows rather than establish himself as the visible leader of the Syndicate. However, unlike the Shadow Collective, most of the rank-on-file organization did not report to him directly, and few even knew his identity. Instead, Maul relied on a figurehead, Dryden Voss, to serve as the executor of his will to his men. 
And then, during the reign of the Galactic Empire, the Crimson Dawn had significant influence in the area of wild space uh, that the planet Pashvi was located in. Crimson Dawn's base of operations at the time was the Night Black Naru class yacht named the First Light, which was owned by Voss and also served as a private, private residence. The organization was also known to utilize Fang-class starfighters. Also during this time, the Galactic Empire all often clashed with the Crimson Dawn in security enforcement missions, many in which pilot Yurik Quill participated in the Imperial side, which rather uh, would remember long after the Imper- after her Imperial career. That's kind of funny, they use Quill as a pilot's name and this when we have a another galaxy pilot named Quill in another entire Disney franchise. Yeah, that Quill was named Peter was named Quill before Disney. <laughs> That's <so>. true. <laughs> That's also true. And then on the planet of Athos Klee, uh, Crimson Dawn operated uh, an ore hub in a valley on the world to offer lucrative one-year contracts for laborers to work there. The syndicate employed Dr. Cornelius Evarzen to cybernetically alter his workers in a gene mod chop shop housed on the site of the cluster of hexagonal silos. The Barsculus Dexter, Dexter Jester eventually discovered the Crimson Dawn's ore hub. He then rescued a single Rodian worker from the hub and pair the pair headed back towards the spaceport. So Dexter gets some action during all this. Um, and he's been getting a lot more um, story development now with uh, the m- recent um, Brothers novel that they recently released back in May. Dexter is getting more of a story. That's the bar owner on, or the diner owner on Coruscant? Yes. Or is that just Dex? That, that, that's yeah. Dexter Jexter is uh, his full name, but Dexed. What a Lucas name, Dexter Jester. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, around this time during the reign of the Empire and the Crimson Dawn, the Crimson Dawn had a Zabrak male, Jarm Brock, infiltrated the operations of the Hut crime lord, Jabba... I'm not even going to say his full name, Jabba the Hutt, and Moss Inthra in, on the planet of Tat- uh, Tatooine as part of the ruse to send Jabba after the Hutt Council. The plan worked as Jabba believed that Boku, a fellow council member, had been behind Brock's infer- infiltration. And then... Sometime between 13 BBY and 10 BBY, a human male, human woman named uh, Kyra, was sold as a slave to Voss. He showed great, uh, he showed saw great potential in her and eventually trained her and made her his lieutenant. This promotion eventually led to Honda Onaka, partner with the bounty hunter droid AG88, pursuing Kyra on Ord Mantel. The two believing that the Crimson Dawn lieutenant would fetch a large bounty. And so, you know, there's uh, Hondo doing his Hondo things with a droid. Right. How... I just am, like, sometimes just amazed at Hondo's, like, audacity. That he's just like, I'm just going to go mess with the biggest crime syndicate. And, you know, he... when things turn south, I'm just going to deny my involvement. Right. He, he has 
the biggest guts when it comes to everything. He will go after everything or anything he wants and not have no remorse afterwards. And if he gets caught, ah, sorry, it's not my fault. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so they actually successfully restrained her, but after Kyra managed to make IG-88 turn on Onaka while the pirate was distracted, Kyra picked the lock of the binders that they put her in and escaped before putting binders on Onaka. With IG-88 and Onaka now both in binders, Kyra held them at blaster point and forced them to walk so that she could collect the bounty on both of them. Sometime after Kyra became boss's lieutenant, Crimson Dump performed a raid on one of the warehouses of the Razzie Syndicate. Yeah. She played them. As she would. Yeah, it's true, and I'm not surprised she got one over on Hondo, because, you know, Hondo's also very oblivious when it comes to things, too. Yeah, she she plays, I mean, she plays Hondo, which is easy, but she also plays Han Solo, which, true. you know, he, he kind of plays the fool, but it's not easy to pull one over on Han. I mean, mm -hmm. really, Kira and Lando are the only ones we actually see on on screen do it. This is true. Yeah, that is, that is true. And those are two people that he, one, he really trusted, and the other, he kind of trusted. Yep. One stayed in his life, the other one didn't. <laughs> so, uh, by 10 BBY, Dryden Voss uh, still served as the public leader for the organization, and that year, Voss uh, sent his associate Tobias Beckett to obtain the shipment of Coraxium from the planet Vandar for the Crimson Dawn. Voss met with Beckett and his, cr uh, and his crew on the first light after they failed to obtain the Coraxium. Voss considered killing them, but instead allowed them to perform a special, or to perform a new heist for Quaxium on the space mines of Kessel and sent Kyra with them. So this is obviously during the events of Solo. Um, and then they successfully retrieved the Quaxium, and with the help of the support of smuggler Lando Calrissian, one of the, but one of the people working for Beckett, they named uh, Han Solo, who was also Kyra's former lover, wanted to give the Coaxium to the Freedom Fighters, known as the Cloud Riders, instead of the Crimson Dawn. However, Beckett, who was in a secret double agent for the Crimson Dawn, revealed to Voss's uh, revealed to Voss Solo's plan. But Solo suspected Beckett betrayal and had <laughs> and had planned accordingly. So this is also like. It's hard to get over on Han because he's always thinking ahead and always thinking of betrayal. Because that's how the life he lived. Yeah, and I mean, I think Solo really shows kind of like why he's like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then in 3BBY, the Crimson Donson agent to bid on an auction for the Firewax Redux transmitter on... Con Kentaka? Kentaka? Uh, held by the Wayne Star Syndicate in the final round of bidding, the agent outbid all of the closest contenders, but then a firefight broke out and the Pyrex Redux transmitter disappeared in the chaos. So, that's the first part of the, of the uh, Crimson Dawn. And at this point, I think we should take our mid break. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about everything to do with the podcast that's not about the lore of legends and canon. Uh, so this time I'd like to thank our patrons who, who are supporting our podcast and just a great thank you for your support. Um, you too can join our Patreon. You'll find the link uh, at patreon.com slash holocron histories or whatever it is. Uh, the, the link is also in our episode descriptions. If you're listening to us live, you can go when we post the episode on Monday or to a previous episode on Apple or Spotify and you'll find that link. Um, also, you can join our Discord to come and talk to us on the Cups podcast and more. You can talk to us there or the Robots Radio Discord. Uh, another way to support us is to leave us a review on Apple or Spotify uh, where we can... Or that. Let me redo that. Leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. And if you leave us a review on Apple with some words and five stars, we will read it on a future episode of the show. Uh, so do we have a review to read this week? We don't, actually. We don't have a review this week. All right. Well, keep if you want to support us, reviews, reviews are great. Uh, other than that, I think that's all I have for the middle of the show. Yeah. Um, and then I just want to remind people that uh, we do live stream the show every Friday night at 8 p.m. So if you want to join us live, feel free. We're on YouTube and Twitch, both at Holocron History. So join us when you can. And if you want, follow us on Twitter. When We'll uh, set up notifications for that because we will tweet when we go live. But that's all I got. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's get back to it. Cool. All right, now that we're back in the second half of the show, this is where things are going to get very interesting because I, so I've never read any of the Crimson Dawn comics at all yet. And doing the research for the Crimson Dawn, there's a lot of things that went down. Um, it, It deals with Solo, but not in the way that you think. So, in 2BBY, the Crimson Dawn lost a secret leader when Maul was stranded on the, uh, on the Outer Rim planet Malachor and later uh, slain on the planet Tatooine. This led to the Crimson Dawn being thought to be destroyed by its rivals, but, Crimson, but the Crimson Dawn was not truly defeated, but instead operated secretly on a smaller scale, bidding up its assets until it would make a return. 
And then during this time, Kyra, earning the title of Lady, came to control the remains of the Crimson Dawn and led us rebuilding. Kyra plotted to use it to use it in the order to set the stage for the defeat of Emperor Palpatine and Lord Vader. Ooh. So she she's making already big plans for all that. That just makes me think like there had to be another like meetup between Kira and Han. I'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Um, as the Quim- Crimson Dawn slowly began to grow again, the organization eventually achieved a new headquarters in the form of the Fortress flagship, the Vermilion. The ship contained gallery that had a collection of artifacts, especially Dark Side and Sith artifacts, both control or both collected by Lady Kira and from uh, Voss's old collection. The organization had also managed to develop a web of sleeper agents in many organizations throughout the galaxy, including the Empire, the Hut Cartel the Black Suns, and the Rebel Alliance, and the Tag Corporation. Uh, sometime after Kyra became the leader of the Crimson Dawn, she sought after a woman who was known as the Madeline Sun. Sun was a former Sava, or teacher of the University of Barleth, and devoted her life to studying the Force, especially the Dark Side. So this is where it's going to get pretty interesting on some of these things. So Kyra... Uh, then revealed to Sun that the Emperor Palpatine was the Sith Lord Darth Sidious. Sun was distraught, realized that her life and happiness were taken away from her, to which Kyra told her to follow into her ship so she could make her an offer. Kyra showed the Sun, uh, allows, uh, showed Sun Crimson Dawn's collection of dark side artifacts, and that uh, when she arrived on the ship, uh, artifacts that she told Sun she could either inherit or found in dark corners of the galaxy that she knew where to look because of her mentor alluding to Maul. Kyra told her that she wanted to bring down the Sith to set the galaxy free and that she wanted to uh, wanted her to be her expert on the dark side that they needed a need in the order to do so. Sun who wanted to reclaim her former glory and truly live again agreed. Kyra told Sun to attempt to find Jedi Grandmaster Yoda in the hopes that they would recruit him to the cause as the Jedi were the ancient enemy of the Sith. So yeah, this is gonna like this is where it gets interesting where like Kyra's like full fledged on wanting to take down Vader and Sidious. And she wants to do as much as possible, even trying to find Yoda. Right. I think and this goes back to a little bit of a character analysis from Solo. Both Han and Kira are very much in a state where their personal freedom is of the utmost important. Kira most much more so because Han escapes Corellia, but Kira does not. And she is sold to mm-hmm. Voss. She's, she's sold to the Crimson Dawn. Yeah. Right. And so she's very much trying to secure her own freedom and that's part of the reason why, spoiler alert, she doesn't go with Han at the end of Solo and she takes over because she feels more kinship and power and freedom in doing that and so i'm sure with the way the empire's been treating the crime syndicates as a whole when we look at the huts and the bounty hunters guild um she probably sees that taking them down is another way to secure her freedom yep so then sun who became known as the arc archivist 
Learned that Kyra, in charge of the Crimson Dawn, learned that the organization had agents everywhere. This allowed the uh, archivist to uh, access all the information she could possibly need in the organization connections. The archivist continued to try to locate Yoda for Kyra, and without the Crimson Dawn resources, eventually deduced that Yoda had left Coruscant uh, the day the Empire fell on Senator Bail Organa's starship, the Tantanith Three. The archivist traveled to the planet Dagobah in the Salus system, and when she arrived, uh, was saved by someone using the Force from a swamp monster, and then led to the same person to a dark cave. She would never reveal what she saw in the cave, but when she exited the cave, she physically changed and felt enlightened. The archivist learned that she had been saved and led to the cave by Yoda, and was moved by his empathy and desire to teach her instead of harmer, and inspired by the idea of the connection to the light side of the forest, the archivist returned to Crimson Dawn and met with Kyra aboard the Vermilion, but lied and told her that Yoda was dead and she was uh, and she was sure of it. So even after finding Yoda, she felt so enlightened and felt so much loyalty to Yoda to lie that yeah he's dead yeah, we don't you don't need him anymore it's interesting because like i can think of only two people in legends and canon now who have found yoda not yoda reaching out to them mm-hmm. or something like that but have found yoda and that is Galen Merrick and now this archivist. Yeah. Yeah. Archivist who is canon. Yeah. Galen Merrick who sadly is not. But still like they these two characters that have physically found him. Physically. Mm-hmm. And have literally said nothing about him. Like oh yeah he's alive. Right. Um, And like Starkiller he doesn't even know who he's found. Oh, that's true. He was, when he goes there. That's also true. Yeah. He had no idea who he was. <laughs> Some little green dude. But I don't know. <laughs> I think that's so interesting. And, like, it's interesting that a non... Well, I guess... Is the archivist Force-sensitive? No, not to my... Uh, from what I've read up, she is just someone who studies the Force. Right. She's, and so, like, for a non-Force-sensitive, I guess you could track like if you tracked down like hit yoda's path from kashik and then to coruscant mm-hmm. and you could track it down and figure that out but that's impressive to me oh yeah definitely right because the only people who know where yoda is are obi-wan and bail organa and i'm not even sure they actually know where he is well, no, Obi-Wan does because he tells Yoda, he tells Luke to go to Dagobah. True, Obi-Wan knows. I don't think Bale doesn't. I don't think Bale knows. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Yoda went in hiding. Obviously, he knows where... Obviously, we know Bale knows where Obi-Wan is because Obi-Wan's protecting Luke. Where's Luke located? Right. Tatooine. But Yoda's not well, protecting he knows, anybody. Yoda, Yoda knows where Leia is, too. And I think... There had to be a plan in place that eventually, after Obi-Wan was done training Luke or Leia, Mm -hmm. that they would come to Yoda eventually. That's true. But I don't know. 
But uh, sometime later, Kyra and the Ar- uh, Archivist traveled to the Midrim planet Varnok, uh, where they met the Knights of Ren, a group of masked dark side using utilizing warriors and their leader Ren. Kyra introduced herself uh, to him and told him that she had heard that he was powerful. Kyra told him that he was. It was only a matter of time before the Sith came to them, and that she and the Crimson Dawn could offer them whatever they wanted, explaining that she needed the help of the Force users. For a job, Ren said that he would be. Uh, he was listening and asked what the job was. To which Kyra said that they were going to love it. That's the other thing. Like that's interesting to me too. Is like, oh, now we're getting the connection to the sequel series, where because you know the Knights of Ren are in the sequels, where they are an elite force wielder unit. Um. Well, by the time of the movies, Kylo Ren is the leader of the Knights of Ren. Right. It's interesting to me that they are Force users because they're not presented that way in the movie. No. No. Long story See, short, I... they have a imp- like they are feared and they look scary, and by the time we actually see them in action, they get cut down like it's nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I always thought that the Knights of Ren were just students from Luke's school. Right. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's what a lot of people theor- what uh when the movies were coming out. That's what like everything was theorizing. Oh, they're just they're just force wielders like that. Kylo converted from Luke's school. Now from this, it's like oh, the Knights of Ren were like way before the sequels even started it's also important to note that like kylo ren is not a sith lord like he does not have that designation because he's not a follower of he's a follower of the dark side but he's not a follower of like the sith religion or ideology true um and a little side note with that going from that to can be considered a sith you have to go through specific training that's why when you look at the like in star wars rebels or even seeing obi-wan um when you see the inquisitors yes they're dark uh dark side force builders but they're not considered sith because they have were never given that like specific training to be considered sith because if they were they were going to be killed or someone would have died Right, and they, it's important to note that the Inquisitors are never trained to the level that Vader is at. Mm-hmm. He is always stronger than them. As we see when uh, Reva tries to fight him. It's hilarious. Because he doesn't do anything. He just, here, stopping with his hand, not even using his own saber. But anyway, off topic. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we're by the return of the Crimson Dawn, the time for the return of the Crimson Dawn and the beginning of Lady Kyra's plan would uh, would come when she discovered that her former lover, Han Solo, had become important to the uh, Rebel Alliance, the Empire, and the Hutt Clan, and other major powers, and had been frozen in Carbonite. Under the leadership of Margot and the direction of Kyra, the Crimson Dawn agents traveled to Nar Shaddaa, and captured the carbonite block from Boba Fett via Dr. Uh, Ragan and was fixing the carbon, uh, carbonite matrix for Fett so they remained alive as the agents transferred him to the Vermilion. 
So Kyra stole Carbonite Han. That's when she met him again. Because <laughs> he's frozen in Carbonite. But she doesn't unfreeze him. Correct. And I'm about to get in why. It's very interesting. So after the Crimson Dawn sees Solo on Narshda, a Crimson Dawn agent traveled to uh, Diva Lampop on the planet to thank her and follow up. Lampop contacted Bib Fortuna under the guise of a follow-up uh, uh, on a follow-up on her chasing after Fett, and but was really trying to see if Jabba was attempting to regain Solo by attending the Crimson Dawn's auction. And then Darth Vader and a Sith assassin, Ochi of Bastoon, learned that the Crimson Dawn had something to do with Boba Fett's loss of Solo after chasing down IG-88 and the droid crush pirates of Bastoon, who they were told to go in after Solo by uh, Buka the, the Hutt, who was also working for Vader. Vader was searching for Solo to use him to get to Luke Skywalker. He was wanted to kill because he was the only threat to his power and the place in the Palpatine side and had believed that he could not overthrow the Emperor and the role of his son. Later, Administrator Sly Moore told Vader that he wanted to kill Skywalker and needed to get Solo from the Crimson Dawn's auction. They agreed, and they would represent the Empire at the auction so the Emperor would not learn of Vader's plan to kill Skywalker. So this is also now Vader going behind the Emperor's back, on top of trying to get Solo and and Carbonite. Uh, and while the Crimson Dawn made preparations, uh, an armed smuggler named Denvaro Vix, who was highly connected to the Huts, revealed to bounty hunters uh, Bilet Valence and Dengar uh, that the Crimson Dawn had stolen uh, Han Solo from Boba Fett and they had returned. So this is this is getting this is where it's getting so crazy where everybody's now okay Solo was Solo was kidnapped why he's still frozen in Carbonite. Now everybody's wanting to get to get him. You're trying to get other bounty hunters to get him. You're trying to get the Crimson Dawn to sell him off. You're trying to Jabba's trying to get him. Vader's trying to get him, and that's like all all these people are just trying to get Han, and it gets hectic. And Han has no idea how popular he is. <laughs> I know <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Only if he knew. Uh, and then later on. Uh, Jakara, once all the binders had arrived, uh, Kyra thanked the syndicates for coming as she introduced herself as the new leader of the Crimson Dawn, as well officially announcing its return. She then revealed Solo to the crowd and started the bidding. After bids by many, including Lord Guti uh, and the Black Suns, the Pikes, Buka, and the administrator, uh, administrator Moore and the Empire, it soon ended that, uh, when Jabba the Hutt bid one million credits. With no other bids, Kyra congratulated Jabba and told him the smuggler was his. However, the auction and Jabba's retrieval of Solo was then interrupted by the arrival of Darth Vader, guarded by two Death Troopers. Vader declared that Solo belonged to him. So this is where it's going to get like very, very rough. The Empire loaded Solo onto the Imperial Shuttle, and Boba Fett pursued them, but was stopped by Valance and Dengar uh, as Kyra had planned. After Valance abandoned Dengar and for Boba Fett, Dengar provided death sticks, <laughs> and subsequently the Crimson Dawn with the location of 
Catala, uh, which had been discovered when Valens had a tremission to the girl, returned to the gallery later. Kyra explained that Margot and it both had was and wasn't uh, what she expected to happen. The Vader arrival had been planned. The fact and the fact that Kyra fought him herself showed the galaxy the Crimson Dawn had not backed down and would obey the Empire. Kyra told Margot to leave, leave her as uh, many messages were send and strings to pull. So during this, like, Kyra was in, like, fought Vader and somehow didn't die. Yeah. I mean, she wouldn't be the first person to escape Vader. This is true. That's true. Um, and, like, the Sith assassin, uh, Oki Orki. Ochi, Ochi or whatever. Ochi, yeah. Ochi. Ochi. Um, Sith assassin Ochi, he fought Vader too. And he's not really a... He has... His force powers are ambiguous. That's but right. Yeah. He fought Vader too. And, you know, Vader is formidable. But if you can be fast enough and hit some of his, like, breathing equipment or other, like, chest pieces, you can really slow him down. Oh, yeah. To a point where... He, you might not win outright, but you could slow him down enough. Slow him down to get get the heck out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, feeling insulted and embarrassed that the Empire had been allowed to take Solo from the Huts, Buka the Hut, uh, Buka of the Hut Council ordered a retaliation sealing the Empire shuttle that held Solo and capturing his crew. This caused a firefight between the Empire and the Huts, causing the Huts to lose Han again. But secretly, Buka was working for the Crimson Dawn, and after retrieving. Receiving an order from the Crimson Dawn, uh, order the Hut Amada to attack the Imperial flagship with everything they had. An all-out battle between the Huts and the Empire ensued, and the chaos playing directly into the Crimson Dawn's hands. And then, after Boba Fett had regained Solo and returned him to Jabba, Kyra gathered many individuals who were loyal to Crimson Dawn, including the Knights of Ren, Kathrath Cha, and the and the orphans, the Assassin Deathstick, Kyra's advisor. Margo and Trinia and the Archivist. And then we are actually almost done here. Sweet. So then we get into where the Crimson Dawn is pretty prevalent in the galaxy now at this point. Uh, sometime after the Battle of Jerica, Vader returned to the Executor and spoke with the Emperor Palpatine via hologram, redeclaring the devotion to the Emperor. Palpatine ordered Vader to root out the Crimson Dawn from the many levels of the Empire that the organization had infiltrated and show the Empire's strength. Sometime after her capture by the Assassin's Guild, Lady Kyra visited Leia Organa on the Millennium Falcon. Ooh, ooh. An X is going is talking to the current uh, she explained that or to organa that she had hoped that han would be returned to the rebellion her consistency plan to retrieve solo again was most likely for that purpose she also revealed solo was still alive and had been sold to java the hut and offer the crimson dawn's resources to help organa move to uh moved to get back uh she also told organa she and the crimson dawn would be useful to the rebellion if they ever wanted their support so that's also interesting so this kind of like shows how leia went to get han it 
was a whole plan devised by Kyra. So Han's ex was helping his current girlfriend. Well, and like Kira knows Lando. She knows all the players. She knows like she probably organized the ways that like to present land to sneak Lando in as a mercenary mm-hmm. to disguise Leia as a bounty hunter to capture Chewie, like all that stuff. Yeah. Was probably from her inside knowledge of her own assets within the Hut cartel. Yeah. And then now we get to the Syndicate War. Uh, Kyra traveled to the Black Sun Frigate, the death, uh, Dark Path, to meet the Lord Gairu, one of the leaders of the Black Suns. On behalf of the Crimson Dawn, Kyra noted that Gairu brought his guards and asked if Kyra's uh, asked if the Crimson Dawn's reputation was really that terrible. Kyra then offered up a valuable piece of information to uh, Gaitu. Uh, she had that the Emperor was furious at the Hut's betrayal and now searching for a new partner and could take up the role for the Huts and had which providing services for the Empire outside the bounds of Imperial law in exchange for projected status. Kyra said that the Crimson had no interest in the partnership, but it could be a quite an opportunity for organizations the size of the Black Suns. Later, uh, Chenith Cha and the Orphans were sent on a mission by the Crimson Dawn to help perform one of the first major steps in Kyra's plan. They were sent to destroy the Black Sun's uh, Black Sun Smash Processing Lab on the planet Dantooine. They destroyed the lab and left no survivors, leaving no clues the, that could trace back trace the attack back to the Crimson Dawn. Afterwards, the Orphans continued with more destructive missions on behalf of the Crimson Dawn. They destroyed ships and fa- facilities and left little no survivors this created an atmosphere of dread and distress among the syndicates none of them knew who to blame so they blamed each other and the fighting encouraged by double agents of crimson dawn this tension was celebrated by the crimson dawn story and the empire was ending their deal with the huts and wanted the strongest syndicate to take its place so kyra had a plan to basically hey we're going to make sure none of these crime syndicates trust each other. So we're going to plant double agents and to make as much chaos as possible. <laughs> That's fun. Always fun. And then now we get to where uh, Kyra was pleased with what the orphans had accomplished and told Trinia to pass word to them. Uh, that they had done their part for the time and could lay low. Kyra also told the advisors to reach out to Leia Organa for a meeting and declared that the rebels would be part of her plan if they didn't want to be, even if they didn't realize it. The archivist was made a general advisor on the Force of the Sith and was given tasks to search the members of the fallen enemy of the Sith, the Jedi. Kyra believed that many of the powerful allies were perfect bait, she once again looked into Yoda in the Crimson Dawn's archives, calling him a friend. The archivist also sent archaeologist Darkseid fanatic Kofon Forest to find the Spark Eternal, a piece of technology created by the Darkseid cult known as the Ascendant, uh, who created artifacts and that could allow non-Force sensitives to utilize the Darkseid. That's terrifying. 
That really is terrifying. <laughs> hey, we're going to have a Sith. He's created something so non-Force wielders can use anything. That's great. That's great, guys. That kind of reminds us. Did you play the Jedi Academy? Yes. Jedi Knight Jedi Academy mm-hmm. game? Oh, yeah. Um. So, the um. that reminds me, in that story... And in the Jedi Knight story, they, like, find a way to impart force into non-forcative people um, with the scepter of Marco Ragnos. And that oh, just kind of reminds, <laughs> reminds me of that. It's great when I see... It's, it's just great to see things that we played in games, like, pop up in the current canon of things. Like, hey, we're taking, we're taking notice of the old stuff, guys. We're just changing them a bit, or making them new things but hey it's the idea and concepts there yeah and that kind of thing i don't really like mind as much because you know there's only a really like a finite way you can do things when you're Mm -hmm. telling stories and the expanded universe is so vast there's so much out there that they're bound to just repeat it and then just not even really realize that they're repeating it oh yeah there's no way that there's no way one person can know the entirety of the expanded universe oh god no i mean george lucas i mean when he made star wars he never thought like and this is before disney bought star wars like legends had hundreds of writers there was so much content out there from everyone and it just yeah i mean like eventually disney is going to be like they make something and then when you like read it and look back on it it's like wait wasn't this part of something else and then i mean yeah they could have done known or they could not have known like there's just so much out there right right definitely so and the end of the empire's reign across the galaxy archaeologist uh dr chili lana alfra noted this in the smuggler's guide which is a book you can actually buy um, that the Crimson Dawn and the Crimora Syndicate were losing ground, uh, while the Huts and the Pikes were consolidating assets. Alpha theorized that this was because the hidden treasures indicated in the Smuggler's Guide that you can be claimed by the time seemed uh, to have benefited the Syndicates in the Eastern Rim, such as said, such as said Huts and the Pikes, thus destabilizing uh, the underworld balance of power. And that is all I have on the Crimson Dawn. But yeah, you can, uh, with the Smuggler's Guide, that is one of the books. It's just like the Jedi's Path or the Book of the Sith. Uh, you can actually buy, like, on Amazon or anywhere you can buy books. It just has a bunch of canon and legends material in it. It's cool. Yeah. Interesting. All interesting stuff about the Crimson Dawn. I like how... And we'll get to this when the pikes, but like for me, like the pikes and the huts just kind of like blend together in their mode of operation. Mm-hmm. But like, I like that the Crimson Dawn is different. Um, oh yeah, I just, their goals and like even when before they're under Kira's reigns. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just interesting they had a war over Han. <laughs> it's like everybody wants Han's body and Carbonite for some reason. It's like what is going on with this right and like 
Han is wanted for something that any smuggler would do in the situation yeah. that he was in. Yeah. The only thing, the only reason they like mainly wanted him is because he was a big shot in the Rebel Alliance. He was one of the pilots that helped destroy the Death Star. He, I mean, other than that, that, that was the main thing. He was a general in the I Alliance. Mean, it's not a surprising, like, it's not, like, it's a pretty good feat to get the drop on Darth Vader, who was Anakin Skywalker, one of the best oh, yeah. pilots in the galaxy. Like, yeah, yeah, having a, so, just a run-of-the-mill smuggler beat you at your own game that you owned since, like, you were six. Right, before, <laughs> like, Han was probably, like, drinking out of a bottle when Anakin was blowing up the uh, droid control ship. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's... But it's just so funny that, like, I think that if he wasn't part of the Rebellion and uh, at that point a captain in the Rebel Alliance... Oh yeah, he was a captain. I don't think they would... I don't think they really would have cared. Um, it's mm. the minute that the Empire wants a bounty on him that... Everybody wants a bounty then. Everybody wants yeah. him. If the Empire wants him, everybody wants him now. Because, mm-hmm. oh, he's important. And that doesn't change all the way up to Force Awakens, where mm-hmm. he walks in and there's two crime people that he's swindled and they want they want him. Yep. Oh, my God, I can't remember. what. Who did he swindle? Oh, they have some kind of name, but I don't they remember. Were, they, what were, they were they weren't part of the five big ones. No, I'd they have to watch the movie. Ones. It's been so long since I've watched The Force Awakens that yeah. I did not. No, that's fair. But, but yeah, that's what we got this week. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun. Next week we'll continue. Uh, we going still crime families. Yes, we are still doing crime families next week. Um. And next week, we are going to be doing the Pike Syndicate. So, there we go. Well, tune in next week uh, for lots and lots of fun. Um, And thanks for listening to the Holocron Histories podcast. We'll see you next week. And may the Force be with you. Thank you for listening to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at SWHoloHistories and contact us at HolocronHistories at gmail.com. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Mikola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's The Elden Archives, from Soft Lorecast, available everywhere.